Hi, this is David Steele of the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Garrett, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! Yeah. Hey, Magic fans, and uh, welcome to Penny for Your Thoughts, the podcast of the Orlando Magic UK. Uh, I'm back. It's been a couple of weeks, and it's good to be back. I'm Paul, here to host this evening. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about the preseason game so far and get into an inside look at Media Day from uh, Dan Savage, the Magic's Assistant Director of Digital Content, who will be joining us shortly. Uh, as always, I'm joined by this handsome duo, Mikey and Grant. Mikey, how you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Good to have you back. Thank you. It's nice. Thanks for holding the fort, both of you. Not a problem, it's been mate. Good. It's been good. You enjoyed them? Enjoyed doing the uh, the previews of uh, the Eastern Conference teams? Yeah, it was good to get the, the UK guests on, wasn't it? And cover, yeah, cover some nice. different teams and, and offer some different content. And I, I filled in for you perfectly last week. Eh? <laughs> the, the power of speech. It's nice to know that uh, it's not just me that suffers with it. And G, how are you doing, mate? How's uh, the but, NBA 2K game going? Yeah, good. Uh, been working hard on that. Uh, probably staying up too too late. Um, <laughs> and I've had a hard day in work today, so I haven't had the chance to watch last night's game. So I've had a little look at the box score and I shall be watching it as soon as uh, we've, we finish recording. But interestingly, let's just say you didn't miss a deal, mate. No, well, no, I know, but we, we, I'll, I'll have to watch it later. Mikey's ditched not. his Raiders jersey today. I yeah. wonder why that is. Uh, genuinely, it wasn't the reason. <laughs> well, it's had to go in the wash at some point, surely. Well, yeah, you, you got you got to wash that losing streak out of it, haven't you? <laughs> right. Shall we crack on with a quick news roundup? Absolutely. Not to report, it. is there really? Let's do it. So, first of all, um, Orlando have uh, exercised reportedly the team's third-year options to Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton and Chumaru Kiki. That means all three are now now signed through to 2022-23 season. Uh, injury updates, um, Chuma, he missed both games so far as a result of a hip in- injury described as a bone bruise. Michael Carter-Williams, he's recuperating after undergoing surgery in August to remove a bone fragment and repair his left ankle ligament. J.I. and Markel Fultz, uh, they remain out um, rehabilitating from left ACL injuries, left knee ACL injuries. ESPN report that um, Markel Fultz does not have a firm timetable for return. That's about it at the minute, I think. Uh, not a deal else. Not missed anything there, guys, that you could think of? I don't think no, so. No, you've covered it's it, mate. Apart from good stuff, good stuff. So, should we do a quick shameless plug? Um, as always, before we uh, are joined by Dan. Um, as you know, we are affiliated to the NBA League Pass, Fanatics and the NBA Store Europe. If you're looking to make a purchase, please please join the websites by clicking on the affiliate links on our social media pages and website. Also, use the code MAGIC. UK 10 at the checkout for a 10% discount with Fanatics and the NBA Store Europe. Some exclusions do apply. For our friends overseas, international shipping is also offered. Uh, Fanatics also offer a whole host of football teams for, again, for us stateside friends, that's soccer. 
um, along with the NBA, NFL, NHL and MLB. So if you headed to the NFL London Games this weekend or uh, on the 17th, was it uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and Miami Dolphins, Dolphins uh, yeah. uh, on the 17th? You may want to get yourself kitted out. So uh, and by doing so, it helps us do what we do and we do truly appreciate your help in this. Or you can just get on the bandwagon and join G with a Tom Brady jersey. Or go up in the world and buy a Derek Carr jersey. <laughs> you see, they're just names. Silence. You have no I, idea, I know Paul. who Brady is, but you, you're, the, you're the guy. He's just names, mate. That is outrageous. He doesn't I, even I make one, my... I told you. One a year. One a year. Super Bowl. You did say Derek Carr doesn't even make my fantasy team, mate. He's on the hey, bench. You don't even know what you're talking about. Draft. You don't even know what you're talking about, son. <laughs> I certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are now joined by one of a long line of savages. Are you a savage? <laughs> the one and only Dan Savage. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, good to be back on the show. And congrats to you guys to uh, another season. It's it's amazing. You know, when you look back, how far you guys come, and it's just exciting that you guys are back and stronger than ever. We we love doing it, man, my friend. It's it, it saves the wives moaning at us. To be honest, we get to talk <laughs> basketball and uh, not bore them with it. So it's all good. It's all good. So you are uh, feeling it a little bit today. I understand, mate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, coming off a, a road trip for the first time in a while, I didn't travel last season, getting back into the to the flow of things, adjusting to arrival at, you know, arriving in cities all hour in the morning, trying to remember what time zone I'm in. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, preseason for the players, training camp for the players and and for the support staff as well. <laughs> it's all going to be a new experience again, my friend. It's going to take a few weeks to get used to it. Oh, I'm it sure. Really is. I'm sure, especially coming off an off season and a year where you didn't travel. Um, you know, last season road game takes place. Do my work from home, Zoom from home. Uh, by the time you're done, shut the computer and walk right over to bed. So, bit of a different experience uh, with you know going to the team bus, getting on the plane, flying from New Orleans to Orlando, and then driving home, <laughs> and then being awake from all that, and, and taking the time to kind of rest your brain down and uh, and be able to go to sleep to wake up for for another day. It's going to be fun being back on the road with the guys. So. Oh, except, the arena. exceptional. Uh, you know, we're on the bus from the arena to the to the hangar where we're going to catch the flight from New Orleans to Orlando. And, you know, David Steele, Jeff Turner and myself were just like, it's so much different and so much better covering the team when you're actually there. You pick up on so much more. You feel like you have so much more to give. Uh, like, I just remember when I was doing, you know, podcasts and stuff like that last season it was like what do i have different angle to bring that people just aren't hearing on the zoom calls you know that everybody else has to give and now this year you feel like wow i, I picked up on so many little tidbits how can i fit them all in a, in a story or in a podcast so it, it, it's just a much different experience actually being there and, and traveling with the team than it was last season for me that's amazing. We are very jealous that you you're out and about again, mate. Very jealous. I'm not going to lie. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the preseason then. So uh, first game um, was in Boston. We lost on the road, 97-98. We're all claiming it's a uh, technical victory. Um, as five minutes to go, we were we were um, 
I think in cruise control, I think we were running the game quite quite nicely. Uh, saw the debuts of Suggs and uh, Franz Wagner. Um, the core of players were withdrawn with five minutes to go. Um, we had some good ball movement, unselfish basketball and strong defensive play. Cole was uh, the Magic game leader. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Mikey? I was trying to bring the box score up and bloody atmosphere in NBA. <laughs> Lurica, Honestly, my bad. Last, last week you couldn't speak and this week you're trying to put me off. It's not right. <laughs> I'm going to have another blooper reel this week, can't I? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Dad, I don't know whether you saw last week, but uh, Mikey referred to a certain player oh. as uh, Jalen Juggs. <laughs> <laughs> It, it just gave me flashbacks to last season when you're doing the Zoom press conferences and, you know, normally presented with like a box score, either digitally or paper wise at a game. And I went to pull up the e, e, I was trying to pull up a box score. I went to ESPN and all of a sudden that video plays and I was in the middle of asking Cliff a question and it just popped up and it totally threw me off. I actually <laughs> muted myself. So that just gave me PTSD, right? <laughs> so anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> Cole and uh, Mo Wagner, team leaders with 16 points. And impressively, I felt Mo Bamba with a double-double of 13 points and 10 rebounds. Um, game two on the road last night, we uh, lost 104-86 to the Pelicans. Um Mo Bamba in early foul trouble, but uh, he dropped, um, was it? Oh, sorry, we dropped a 13-point lead, didn't we? Um, that we gained in the first quarter. Tight game for lots of it, but Magic were quite sloppy. Uh, on both ends, we had a lot of turnovers. Uh, the game got away in the fourth quarter as the lead ballooned from 1 to 18 in a five-minute period. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. was our team leader with a double-double of 13 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, and Cole Anthony weighed in with 12 points, Terence Ross 11. So let's have a little talk about what we've seen. Um, G, what's been your reaction to uh, Jalen so far? So, yeah, Jalen Suggs, I think he's had a, a decent enough start. Um, obviously, limited minutes. Um, as we as we know and we've alluded to before, preseason's all about tuning up and not actually, you know, getting the Ws. Uh, you see the box scores, you know, not many players are playing over 23, 24 minutes. Um, so the results are, you know, are irrelevant really at this point. It's just about getting yeah. through, getting them uh, bedded in, uh, accustomed to the league, the way, you know, it works, getting on the road trip, like Dan just said, uh, because that would be new to all these players, uh, you know, doing back-to-backs, not, not that that was a back-to-back, but that's to come. Um, so we've seen flashes in, in the 44 minutes he has played um, on the offensive end. You know, he did nail that 1-3 from, you know, the logo. He's had a couple of defensive plays. It was the uh, transition defence on Tatum and it was a two-on-one for Boston uh, that spring to mind. Um, he did look a little bit nervy in the first game, first quarter, um, but he, he soon settled down uh, and was a lot better. Um, so, you can't really expect anything in the preseason, can you? You can't expect somebody to put 30 points up, you know, in the first, second game, etc. Um, it's all about bedding them in. Uh, so, all in all, solid start and, um, you know, a lot more to come from him. And we look forward to uh, seeing a lot more of Jalen. Uh, yeah, real, real baptism of fire against Marcus Smart in Boston. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's uh, going the, up against the, Smart. 
I know not not some people don't like him, but the guy is quality. In my opinion, the guy is absolute quality. And he, what was it, four minutes in, and they're both diving across the floor yeah. to get the ball in a yeah. preseason game. Yeah, we like that. We like that. That's good. So Cole Anthony, um, team leader in scoring on both games. What are you thinking we're seeing from him, Dan? Are you are you happy at how he's come back? I, I mean, the one thing you have to love about Cole, other than his his great answers to to questions and press <laughs> conferences and, and interviews, etc., is his love for the game, his dedication, his work ethic. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy you just know is going to you know put a ton of work in to to try to improve his craft. And I think, as he alluded to when he was summer league, that you know, get just he's just getting ready for for the season and putting himself in a position that he would be, you know, an effective player once the season started. And I think we're seeing that early in the preseason. Uh, you know, he's still getting in conditioning, just as all these guys are, and still getting more more familiar with Jamal Mosley's system. But, uh, you know, really like what I'm seeing out of his aggressiveness, his assertiveness. Uh, it's going to be interesting with all the guard lineups that this team can roll out because they could deploy these guys in a number of ways. And, you know, while in spurts we did see turnovers – that's to be expected because playing groups are shuffling. You, you know, it's, it's really hard to get in a complete rhythm. Uh, in addition to the fact that these guys are still trying to get down a new offense and, and all those elements as well. So I like what I'm seeing out of Cole, love what I'm seeing out of the rookies so far. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, Cole seems to come back and like you said, some of the, you didn't, he didn't have a brilliant time, but, it was Summerlee who who's really that like, worried. It's a bit of conditioning, a bit of opportunity to to work with the new coach, and that's that was the main thing for me. And preseason, hey, he's he's hitting some good long shots. He's dropped a couple of absolute beautiful threes in. Um, his range is phenomenal at times. Uh, I'm I'm happy. So I think the other guy that we've got to talk about, Mikey, is uh, Mo Bamba. How do you feel he's uh, doing under and responding to the tutelage of uh, Coach Mosley? Well, certainly the Boston game was a bit of a not a coming out party for him because we've seen glimpses of this yeah. from him in in, in bits. Um, but yeah, I, I thought actually when he first came into the game in Boston, he, he might he started a little bit slow, but once he got into the second quarter, he really hit the ground running. I think he had four block shots in the game. He was rebounding the ball. He was active defensively. He was running the floor hard. Um, and that's what we wanted to see from Mo. We we know he's a good three-point shooter, so he's a threat from outside and teams are going to be more and more wary of him as the season goes on. Um, but 13 points, 10, 10 boards um, and four blocks was was a really nice game. The, the Pelicans game was very different. He struggled with, um, with Jonas Valanciunas for large parts yeah. of that game and obviously fouled out quite early on. I think he only played about 12 minutes in that one. Yeah, yeah, very low minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a learning curve for him as a, as a young player going going up against somebody who's been in the league for 10 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's just, again, he's, he's, a, he's still a little bit undersized compared to somebody in terms of weight-wise going up against Valanciunas. So he, he's got to be, he's got to learn how to be a bit more physical with the bigger bigger centres um, and try to defend without fouling because that's that's an important part for, for everybody on the team. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mismatch, but certainly the Boston game gave us lots of hope for Bamba that there's lots to come from him this year. Dan, um, 
obviously I don't expect specifics and but he appears happier he appears happier on with the with this with this coach he seems to be there was a great picture of him uh, at Boston where I think he'd made um he had a block or something something happened and he was stood at the side of the of the court and Jamal Mosley was talking to him and at the end of it you just sort of go yes coach yes coach and smile he seems happier yeah, and I think there's a lot of things that, you know, come into play with that. Uh, one, you know, first time in his career that he's had a full, healthy offseason to really work at his yeah. craft. Very so when true. you look at that, you, you feel better uh, physically. You're going to feel better emotionally. Uh, secondly, I think, you know, this coaching staff is working really well with him. And, you know, they're on the same page. They're very, you know, talkative, communicative of what they expect out of, out of Bamba. Uh, and, you know, they want him to play a certain way and they want him to be an anchor of this defense. And it's a, a challenge that, that he's definitely accepted. So, uh, you know, the first game I thought he came out and he showed all the work and intangibles that, that he put in uh, this offseason. He was, you know, in position, making plays defensively, you know, knocking down shots and, and being an effective playmaker with that second unit alongside, you know, players he has a good rapport with, like, you know, Cole Anthony. And the real interesting combination that I like is is him with Mo Wagner, uh, which we saw in that first game, you know, pay dividends because I think the two of them uh, complement each other well, even though they're both bigs, because Mo Wagner is just so aggressive, has that relentless motor. So for a guy who's trying to work his motor up, as he said by his own admission, you know, playing a guy alongside a guy with energy like that, it, it's contagious. So, you know, it raises the, the level. Uh, and then in the second game, you have to remember, and I think this is, you know, a hard thing that unless you're experiencing it, is that, you know, in the regular season, everything's focused on the games. You know, the travel schedule, the practice schedule, regimens are all focused on building up for a game, even what you're, you're learning, et cetera. You're, you're focusing on game plans. During preseason, everything's more tailored towards training camp and insulation. So, you know, from the travel schedule being a little bit altered, where they're flying in late in, into New Orleans, to then the subsequent day having a practice where they're going in and installing a lot. By the time you get to that game against the Pelicans, uh, you know, you're expecting a lot of guys to be tired because they've done a lot over, over the last couple of days and their off day, their reward day of rest isn't until today. So, okay. um, so, and then you couple that with a guy like Jonas Valanciunas who even when it's preseason, he's chippy. I mean, he, you could see it even on the game tape. He's getting in there. He's pushing after plays. You know, he's doing everything. And a lot of people forget, you know, Mo Bamba fouled out, but Valanciunas fouled out as well. He got, you know, yeah. ejected from the game with two technical yeah. fouls. So it was a two-way street, two-way street with that guy. But what I love about it is for Bamba, who's trying to increase his physicality and talks, talking a lot about his IQ, what a perfect test and thing to have with Jamal Mosley's defensive schemes, then going against Valanciunas. And now yeah. you have all that film to work with over the next few days to prepare him for the next matchup. So I loved that he was physical. He was mixing it up in there with Valanciunas because that's just going to bode well and give him a lot to look at, um, you know, as you go into the regular season. Now it's just up to him to, to learn from that film and put in the work and to continue to build and get better. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we've been writing about in, uh, our game previews is that preseason isn't about the results. It's about 
the opportunity to make mistakes, experiment with lineups, which is where we're going to go now with Mikey. How, how have you been? Any surprises with the starting units that uh, starting units that we've seen? Put your teeth in. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm impressed it's took me this long. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think we should be surprised. Like I said, pre-season's all about experimenting and tinkering with lineups and and seeing what matchups work. Um, like like Dan's already said, Wagner and, and Bamba look really good together when they're on the floor. Um, yeah, it's, it's just getting a, a mix and, and putting players in different positions and different scenarios. So, um, yeah. I think going forwards, I mean, going into the season, I think we've got a pretty good idea of who we think might be in the starting five or when, when everybody's fit and healthy. But yeah, at this point, it's just about getting players playing time and and, and getting different looks on the floor. Right. Gee, I was going to ask you about um, the refereeing because uh, <laughs> knowing how you, you do love our officials. Should we, um, we ask him about the Boston commentating as well? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to, because the, the, the question was kind of drawn towards some of the officiating last night. Because, uh, well, I haven't, you, I haven't you, seen it yet. Just exactly. And that's why, it was, that's why it's made it a little bit difficult, so, mate. Um, yeah. I don't know about anybody else, but the technicals on Valentino is a bit soft. Very soft. Yeah. Really soft. They, you know, kind of come on. Really. Um, I'm not sure that they were technicals, but there we go. Um, have you seen anything around the the changes in the laws for the drawing of fouls where players are jumping and kicking the legs out or jumping into yeah. you liking how that's been officiated yeah I do but just going back to your first point um, firstly is this going to be a weekly feature about me and the officials <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> mate I've already it's already been introduced as ref ramp <laughs> yeah <laughs> no the only one I didn't like in the Boston game was the one where Etwan Moore got called for uh, fouling the three point jump shooting uh, Jason Tatum and I think the oh, officials called the, uh, it one. A, re- yeah. a reckless closeout yeah. and I thought that was a little bit soft and even Scalabrini and the other uh, Boston commentator thought that was nonsense so and I texted you when I was watching I was like what's that all about anyway yeah, so <laughs> but if it's consistent then it's fine because you know Terence Ross will be uh, getting to the line quite often so will Cole Anthony so um, you know as long as it's it's done for everybody, then I'm fine with it. So um, so going back to the, the changes, yeah, so this is the, to, the, the, uh, da, 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 to deter Catching. people like, I know, I know, Steph Curry, uh, James Harden, Trey Young in um, getting to the line by which way they can uh, on the three-point shots. So just to confirm, the league wanted to change it to any unnatural moves to um, to get to the line. These included leaning into defenders to initiate contact, abruptly changing the path, their path, and kicking legs out in unnecessary ways to create contact. So we, we saw uh, Curry in his first preseason game. Um, I think it was, who was defending him? It was a Paula, Nasir Little. Um, and then the foul wasn't called, obviously. Uh, Curry was complaining, but I'm happy with this rule change uh, because I think it's better for the purity of the game in that, you know, people almost look to score properly as opposed to finding a way to get to the line to score. So in the grand scheme of things, I think it'll be uh, a positive for the game of basketball in general. um, I very much agree, mate. 
and it'll stop a lot of stop starts as well. So, yeah. um, and we saw yeah, Suggs, very much agree. and we saw Suggs get pulled up for kicking we their did, leg out last did. night, didn't we? Yeah, Dan, have you have you found it in the arena? Have you noticed it? Has it has it affected the players the way they're the training? You know, I think the one thing about the are, are you talking about the crowds or the uh, or are you talking about the referees? The referee, the uh, the changes in the law for the uh, jump shooting. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say if we had you know some like long tenured players in this league like you know Steph Curry or Trey Young, I would say that it would be you know something that would affect them affect them more. But in terms of you know young guys and, and everything like that, uh, I don't think we have guys who oversell contact, um, you know, on this team, uh, Terrence Ross is great at drawing, you know, four point plays, but I think his is more just a product of he's, he's such a threat to release it quickly. And he's effective at driving to the rim that he gets defenders off balance. So it hasn't been something I've noticed as like a point of emphasis, uh, among the coaching staff as of this point. And I think that's a product just because these guys are young and it's not something that we have a bunch of players on this team who have like a long, uh, tenured, you know, um, things of getting those types of calls or, or making it, you know, when you're, when you're this young in this league, they, most of the time you're not getting those, you know, they're saved for the multi-time all-stars that they'll, uh, you know, slightly the old superstar call, should we benefited say. Benefited out a, a little bit. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I think in, in terms of that, it's, it's a low adjustment for the, for the guys that we have on this roster. Yeah. That's a good take. Good take that, mate. So media day, Dan, how good was it to be back to a more regular pattern for media day? Uh, night, night and day, uh, you know, <laughs> just, it's just a huge difference of actually being there. It was great, you know, having it live streamed to, to fans so they could watch just along uh, as the, uh, Press conferences went along. I'm glad that, you know, fans got that experience as well. And then, uh, you know, because I was getting texts from people as the things were going along that they were watching and, and everything like that. And so it went by fast. And the other element is to it is like, you know, it was great seeing the players again, but just like the other media and, and stuff like that, that I've only seen over Zoom for, for so long. It was great to see a lot of those familiar faces as well. Uh, so it, it really felt like that, you know, first day of school uh, feeling. Media day is always <laughs> like that, where it's like, and and the press conference room is kind of like the lunch room, where it's like, you know, it's like everybody you wanted to catch up with really quick. You're touching bases. They're the new kids that are coming in, and you know, meeting them. So I always liken it to the first day of school. It definitely had that vibe, and it was, you know, good to be back and see everybody. So that was kind of the standout moment for you, the uh, the fun party element of all the guys getting back together. Yeah. So was there uh, any fun stories from the day? <laughs> well, obviously you guys can be told. To, <laughs> obviously, you guys alluded to the Gary Harris uh, Savage in- exchange that the, the has had. <laughs> brilliant, mate. And, you know, it, it was funny. It was one of those things that for me, you know, people laughed in the room and, you know, you ask the question and I'm assuming that's, that's it. And then, you know, a few of the, a few of the players kind of went in a row back to back there. And then all of a sudden we finally get a break and I look at Twitter and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of responses to this. And then I look at my phone and I've got a bunch of text messages. And then I, next thing I know, you know, uh, some of the different podcasts were clipping it out. And then the magic, 
still nobody on the on the team side will tell me who did it but you know they clip it out and put it on tiktok and instagram and twitter and uh and so then the next thing you know that my, my mom's even calling me she's like i saw this on the on the instagram I'm like, oh my goodness uh, <laughs> I, I didn't think it would be uh you know one of the more notable parts of media day but it, and then people are asking me to change my uh you know my profile display name on twitter so it became a and then the next day I see Gary Harris and he, you know, gives me a nod and he's like, savage. You know? <laughs> 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 so it, it took on a life of its own. And, you know, some of the players have been, you know, jostling me with that uh, afterwards. So it's, it, that was fun uh, to do. It was fun for uh, all the savages back home because they got uh, a lot of mentions <laughs> with it and enjoyed uh, hearing our last name rolled out there. So uh, <laughs> that was a fun element for me personally. Awesome. So talk us through your media day. So from morning you get to the Amway Center uh, to the time you go home, Dan. Uh, so those are those are long days because uh, you're, you're doing all the setup. So a lot of a lot of stuff's done setting up, uh, you know, the days before um, just you know, I, I've been doing it a long time, so I'll help some of the the other departments out. So it's just making sure the live streams work because the difficult part with those that a lot of people don't realize is when you're doing it out of the arena, the arena is owned and operated by the city. So you have people and uh, IPs and, and, you know, firewalls that are all protecting the, our city run. Then we have the arena support staff and they have the magic support staff. And then with a lot of live streams, they also have to be approved and go through NBA functions as well. So you have like kind of four different groups that are all touching something. And, and so when you get into changing of audio levels and, and video going through, there's a lot of different touching points. So getting through all that. And then, you know, for me personally, I'm somebody who loves backup plans. So having an additional camera set up that's recording just in case something goes haywire with all that. Um, so working with all our groups just to make sure that's all set up and then, you know, prepping all the questions, um, you know, as, as you go through, just making sure there's key things that you want to touch on with all the key guys and and, and making sure that you, you have all those things you need done. So it's arrive early, do a lot of uh, testing and, and um, you know, different system checking. And then when the players start rolling out, um, you know, there's the behind the scenes stuff, uh, you know, get going out to the court and just seeing the guys, you know, get ready, put their uniforms on for the first time, catch up with some of the guys who I haven't had a, a chance to talk to in person in a while, um, you know, just aimless chit chat. And then they start rolling out in the press conference room and it's like it goes by fast, but it's really long and exhausting in a sense because it's like 11 a.m. all the way to three where it's just like nonstop guy after guy every 10 minutes. And then by the end of it, you got to get all that stuff up on the website. So, you know, as well. So it's clipping out all those different interviews, which we're trying to do in real time and, and get it up there, get stories filed. So I think I had, I was overly ambitious uh, and did like a media day takeaway for each player. And by the time we got to like, you know, guy 14, 15 in the alphabet, I was like, wow, I am spent. <laughs> it's about like seven o'clock and I haven't eaten yet <laughs> but the whole day. So, uh, so it, it was, it was a wild ride, but a fun one worth doing in person. And it was great to see everybody, both 
player-wise and, and, uh, and media-wise. And then, like I said, it's the first day of school in a sense that, you know, you're meeting and seeing everybody, but then it's like a primer for the second day of school, which is where the real work begins and the tar- start of training camp gets going. Yeah. For, for us, uh, media day is like Christmas day because <laughs> everybody's back together. We know basketball is just around the corner. You sometimes get new jerseys, you see new players and you hear the interviews. So, uh, no, we appreciate everything that you do and the, the content that you bring out for us, you know, especially all, all these thousands of miles away. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm having- going to make one, sorry, Jay, I'm going to make one request for next season because I really miss when you and Josh Cohen used to do the live stream <laughs> in the practice facility and we used to be able to watch you, watch you both talk about the team, throw questions at you and... Yeah, we had actually we had actually talked about bringing that element back uh, this season, but then with the fact that all the players were getting rolled out into the press conference room, we wanted the ability for you know fans to 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 see that. So maybe maybe Josh and I will get together for a show here sometime at the beginning <laughs> of the season, and, and we'll we'll roll it back. But Josh and I enjoyed that. Uh, we could talk basketball aimlessly for hours. In fact, we do every day. Um, <laughs> I forget. Reminded you I get have to paid for it, mate. And, and, and see and see my wife. Uh, she's like, "What do you? I thought I thought practice ended at like one today. Why are you home at like six o'clock?" I was like, "Well, <laughs> I was talking to Josh for like four hours. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, why don't you just have him over for dinner, and then I could see actually see you in the, in the meantime." So, so, so we'll just start putting a camera on us in our our endless basketball conversations. <laughs> Cool. So having covered the team since, uh, you know, the finals and you told us that story when you last came on the, on the show, um, how close is this bond uh, this team has got? Are, are there any other teams in the last, you know, 10, 11, 12 years that you've been covering the team uh, that come close to the bond that we're seeing from this team? And if there are any teams, are there any stories you can share? Yeah. Uh, so there've been some, I, I would say this team's bond is different. So like, for example, that finals run bond was really special because, you know, it's one thing to have a great bond early in the season and stuff like that, but that, that finals team would suffered a big blow. And the fact that, you know, Jameer Nelson went down with injury uh, before that run even took place. And it looked like, you know, with Jameer, that team was going to be a finals team. And then post his injury, um, it was a question, you know, do they even really get out of the first or second round? And so the the special part about that team was Jameer was such a great organizer and bringing together uh, of men in that locker room. As you know, it's been well documented how he'd bring people up to Philly. They'd go, you know, do batting practice at those games. He was so good at that. Dwight was great in the sense that he was – such a lighthearted player, um, even for a superstar, that he was a great counterbalance to Stan, who was such an, a, you know, a driver and, you know, pushing guys I- extremely hard. So they balanced each other well uh, at, at that time. And then Richard was like the ultimate, uh, you know, when Robin. somebody needed to say something and everybody listened, he didn't speak often, but when he did, Everybody, everybody in that locker room from Dwight down to the you know 15th guy on the bench listened. And then you had Wiley vets who were just, you know, great personalities like Anthony Johnson, whose contributions just become so underrated. And then, you know, playful guys like Michael Petrus. It was just such a great balance. And that's not even mentioning Turk, who just 
seemed to bring a smile to everybody's face. So that was a really special group. And then you had Rafer in there who, um, I think like as Steve Clifford once alluded to, it was so underrated how he was an intense player on both ends of the floor. Like during that run, you watch him pick up players for like the full 90 feet. And he was just a real pain for anybody to have to go against in a seven game series. So that was a great group. And then you look at this one and the one thing about it that's just so fun is that everybody's so young and they're learning everything together, even from the head coach. It's just this group has just just a real unique bond and you could feel it like being around it. Like it's not an exaggeration. You just feel the energy. Everybody's there's such a camaraderie and a family element to it. I'm really eager to watch it blossom and see how it handles those tough moments in the season because they're going to come, they come for every team. And I really think this group is very well equipped to handle all that. And that's going to be one of the real fun things to document uh, throughout the course of the season. And, you know, the video group led by Jason Dewberry does such a good job with that all access series that with this group and this bond, I think it's going to create so many fun um, moments for that particular series that, you know, you're not going to want to miss any of those behind the scenes elements and the dialogue that takes place there. Cause there's a ton of it. These guys are, you know, young, wild, uh, fun, just excited to play basketball. They all love it. So, so Dan, first impressions then. So going back to, to media day, uh, we've obviously got a new few additions on the roster, Robin Lopez being one of the, the standout ones. How excited are you to cover players like Robin this year in and amongst, we've already talked about this young fun group already, but adding people like Robin Lopez in that mix as well. I think the the signings of, of Robin Lopez and Etuan Moore uh, as veterans, you know, may go overlooked in terms of, if you're just like looking at what those guys do you know, in terms of box score production over the course of the season. But with such a young group, uh, you know, that may lack some experience in the ebbs and flows of an NBA season and what's what it's like to deal with a young team, to have two guys like that is really invaluable. And then you look at, you know, guys like Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba, who are still trying to establish themselves in the NBA, to go up against a guy like Robin Lopez, who's very physical, in the right positions, protects the rim extremely well, to have that presence in the locker room, it, it really is invaluable. And then you add a guy like Etuan Moore, who's you know been in a rebuilding situation actually here in Orlando previously, and who just was with a Phoenix team that surprised a lot of people and went on a run to the finals. Uh, you could already see it uh, in some of the training camp elements and when the media gets allowed in and how he's talking to some of these younger players and being an extension of Mosley in that locker room. Uh, having those type of guys is key because if, if you don't have them, you know, it, sometimes there can be a disconnect and, you know, and there can, it can be harder to get out of those, you know, uh, tough moments in the season. But those guys know, you know, how to get out of those things. They've seen it done before. And to have that, you know, you know, decade plus of NBA experience under their belts is is just great to have in a young locker room. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I'm going to see if I can get this right this week. So uh, just a quick update on the, the Jalen Suggs competition that we're doing. So we're giving away a Orlando <laughs> <laughs> Magic Jalen Suggs jersey from uh, our partners. At a completely different JJ jersey, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, our friends from the NBA Store Europe and Fanatics are giving away a Jalen Suggs jersey. So all you need to do is go to our YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to the channel, like and comment on our video looking at the 21-22 season schedule and tell us which Magic player you are most looking forward to watching this season. When we hit 500 followers, we'll be doing the prize draw and one lucky winner will win that Suggs jersey. It doesn't matter if you live in the UK, you can live in the States or, or anywhere in Europe, Every, anyone can enter. I'm going to have uh, to enter then, right? Uh, right yeah, after. dive in, man, dive in. Just as <laughs> long as you follow us, just as long as you follow us on YouTube. I'm going to have to hit that subscribe button. Afterwards. You don't, you guys don't have the NBA rules that, uh, you know, the NBA legal team locking you into like that 75 mile, 150 mile radius. Like we yeah. have down here in Orlando, you guys are, are game. Every, every time on social media, we're like, Oh, let's enter that. And then we're like, no, we're never. We would love that there was a competition that was for, UK, European fans or whatever, because there is such a fan base. Oh, it's yeah. It's a shame that we are excluded. It, yeah. Hey, we understand. We understand that there's the rules applied by the NBA, but it does frustrate. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to yeah, lie. It'll be interesting to see how those rules change over the year because they've made so many adjustments in terms of that type of, you know, marketing limitations that are put place and set forth so far in the past. And they, you know, slowly adjust them. But if you, after as you have to remember, you know, there's the the element of the NBA with the nothing but attorneys uh, element of it that you know oh, every yeah. legal aspect oh, yeah. has to be ironed out uh, perfectly before you know that type of stuff's ex- extended. But you could see it now, like even with like the league pass, how you could buy single games and do that, and they're lifting blackout restrictions in the local market if it's not broadcasted locally. So. There, there's a number of things that they're adjusting, and, and hopefully that'll be you know one of them because obviously uh, fans of every team are everywhere now, and, and this generation digests content and you know creates team affiliations in a much different way than than ones in the past. So those would be interesting to see. The NBA has a global market. Yeah, definitely. It, it is one of those sports that it doesn't matter. We, I mean, we've we've had. Uh, Paolo on from Italy. Uh, we know that there's guys who follow us from Australia. Um, it's it's a global community. Uh, yeah. Orlando Magic Brazil as well. Yeah, oh, shout out yeah. to those guys. We forget, can't forget them. No, definitely. So, it's crazy how many fans you know on a regular basis come from all different countries it's in in all different arenas too. You know, we'll see Magic absolutely at uh, every stop along the way, and it's always interesting to hear their stories. So you happy for a few more questions, Dan? Yep, I'm down. Excellent. Awesome. Gene, go for it. Right. So what are your, what were your first impressions of Coach Mosley? You've obviously got to know him a little bit more now. And had you met him previous when he was an assistant coach, uh, you know, as a, as a visiting um, assistant I, I'm, coach? I'm sure I have. I don't really remember any of the specific interactions prior to, uh, you know, him being him being brought on. Uh, you know, it was one of those things too, like after any coach is hired or you hear that you're about to hire a coach, you start reaching out to everybody, you know, who might know him really well. 
And one of the, you know, first things is he is just such, he just has such a great ability to connect with people. Uh, and he, that's one of the things you heard just over and over again. And, and it's one of those hard things to really express, like for me to explain right now, just how effective he is at it, because it's not one specific interaction where you could be like, okay, well, you know, he, he shook your hand here or he said, Hey there, it's just the consistency with it day in and day out that he's just so welcoming, whether it's just using your name, you pass him in a hall and he, you know, gives you a fist bump or just asks about your day, you know, after a practice or after a media session. It's just the consistency and all those little things. And it really is true with him. He just has this unique ability to connect with everyone. And it's not just with me that I feel it. It's like, I see him doing it with other people. He's just got a gift that way. It's just, it's one of those things that's just come so naturally for him that you're almost in awe of it. And you could see it. I mean, the way players are willing to play for him, the, the way the energy is at training camp, we've all seen the photos, the stories of him mixing it up in, in, at summer league yeah. or in training camp practices He's just got he's just got a gift in that regard. And then I think on top of that, he's a great basketball coach. He's got a background that's oriented in, in player development. Uh, he's played, you know, at a high level of basketball himself. Uh, so I think he just really knows and he's young. I mean, he just had his you know 43rd birthday yesterday. I think he knows and can put himself into the place of a lot of these guys and understands what they're going through and what they're trying to get out of it. And he just wants to bring out the best version of each and every one of these players. So I think with coaches, it's all about having the right coach at the right time to get a team to develop. And I think, you know, for this team, Coach Mosley is the right coach at the right time. I think he's going to get the most out of these young guys. He can relate to them and he's going to cultivate a culture which has some natural elements already in it of you know, a unique bond and he's going to accentuate that to another level. And I think when all these other teams talk about family, like atmospheres and wanting to create a culture of that, I really do believe that with this Orlando magic team, that is going to happen. That there is going to be a true family like atmosphere that everybody's going to buy into be part of, and it's going to create a real special bond and it's going to translate on the court. And I think going back to Bamba, I think that's a good example. We've already seen yeah. how he can relate to somebody like him. I, I don't think it's unfair to say that maybe Steve Clifford wasn't the best head coach for Mo Bamba. Obviously, he had Vucevic playing in front of him for several years as well and had injuries and COVID and all the other stuff. But you can already see in a short amount of time how much, like you said, Bamba wants to play for him and, and the whole group of them. Yeah, I, and I think the thing that that may go unnoticed because Bamba has cr uh, credited Steve Clifford for pushing him and, and giving him direction to to hit that next level. I think you know the the hard thing for Bamba was that the team was in a place where they were fighting for playoff positioning. You had an established all star in, in Vooch, and without training camp, once these seasons got going, it wasn't like traditional NBA seasons where there would be extended practices to really get a guy up and going once the season start in these like last two condensed seasons it was like there was such limited practice time so I think that's the thing that might go un overlooked with Bamba's development was that when he didn't have full off seasons and training camps 
once the season started, there wasn't much time for him to be able to catch up yeah. because outside of playing in games and perhaps disrupting a team that was fighting to grab on to one of those spots so they wouldn't be in the play-in tournament, um, it was really hard for him to get on-court action and so forth to get back into the flow of things. So no doubt, you know, Mosley has a, a great ability to connect with Bamba and he's been out there on the court working with him. And it's also a credit to Bamba too, that he came out to summer league and worked when he, you know, he really didn't have to do that. Uh, but I think the circumstances of him finally having a full off season, you know, have, being put in a position where he doesn't have an all-star center in front of him, blocking his path and being with a young team that's developing just like he is all play a part of it as well. Yeah, good yeah. points. Yeah, yeah, it's very fair, very fair. I know we've we've touched on the fun, um, you know the the video that was put out yesterday for coach's birthday. Love that the guys on the court just celebrating for him. That was brilliant. I do want to ask you something about uh, a little bit more of a serious issue. Um, how is it for the team dealing with the issue of uh, Jonathan Isaac and the uh, vaccination issue at the moment? Well, yeah, don't I expect we, specifics again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't want to put you in any position, but it's yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want any. Uh, about. I don't want any medical violations on a <laughs> podcast. But you know, the one thing I was happy for for Jonathan was that I think it was very clear that he felt he was misrepresented in that Rolling Stone article. And so I was very happy for him that media day just happened to be the next day so that literally anybody who had a question about how he felt and what he thought, he'd have a chance from himself to explain his views and thought points. And, you know, I'd say it's just like any other work environment. Everybody, you know, has a different viewpoint on every different subject. And it's not like one of those things, you know, just a team's just like any other workplace where not everybody is going to be perfectly aligned with. I know even in my department, I love Josh Cohen, but we don't necessarily see, you know, the same <laughs> views on every different subject uh, yeah. across, across the world. Um, so I think his element, you know, plays along that line where, you know, his views may not match mine or in mine may not match his and along so forth without the teams. But I think the one thing everybody knows about Jonathan is he is a great human being with a very caring heart and, you know, in and has, you know, good, true intentions, uh, you know, for what he's trying to do. So I was glad he got the chance to explain himself uh, as that, you know, day went on. And, um, you know, for as for the team, I think he expressed it perfectly when he said, you know, it's not an issue that's come up. I've seen no evidence to come up. You could see the players, the way they interact with them. Um, you know, I don't I don't think it's any issue. This group is as close as as one can get. And, you know, he's right in the in the mix of that. Yeah. I wanted to just touch on it because it's still rumbling on amongst fans and on Twitter and on every media outlet talking about the vaccination issue and what the NBA are going to do and the restrictions and the like. So I just wanted to touch on it and thanks for ask, answering the question. Appreciate it. Oh, definitely. So Dan, um, we often have a little bit of banter about the NFL. We, uh, Mikey supports the uh, Las like Vegas this. Raiders for some reason. I'm loyal to Central Florida and support the Buccaneers since 1998 by my dad. Um, <laughs> and obviously you're, you're a big... You're a big uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan, I believe. Yep. So just tell us about your, your Bengals fandom, you know, um, a team you've obviously supported for a while and your three and one start and what your expectations are. 
Yeah. So my Bengals affiliation could be traced back to like Icky Woods, the Tiger Stripe helmets and like Boomer Esiason back in the 80s when I was a little kid growing up. And in that sense, I could relate to you guys being a fan of a team at a distance because we take for granted now that, you know, press conferences are online. You get all these, you know, different audio pieces. You could buy clothes and merchandise anywhere in the you know world and stuff like that. But I remember as literally when I was a Bengals fan growing up and before ESPN even had like a sports ticker, the only place to really get a ticker, which had the score in real time was CNN headline news. So I would have CNN headline news on, on Sunday and like watching for the ticker while simultaneously having a TV on in a different room with the Jets or Giants games that were on because I grew up in New Jersey um, and waiting for the halftime where they'd go and show like maybe like three seconds of, of the Bengals getting killed by somebody. <laughs> and, and, and when CNN headline news, if the ticker hit a commercial, it didn't stop and then like pick up after the commercial. It would run during the commercial, but you wouldn't be able to see it. And so if it fell a certain way, it could perhaps go like a half hour before it would fall right and fall out of the commercial window again. So that was how I started off watching. And then like as the internet progressed and you're able to like, I thought it was the biggest deal when I could finally pick up on a radio station on the internet and like hear the Bengals game. I, I mean, I was in heaven. I thought like the technology was the greatest in the world. And like the little game initial game tracker on ESPN followed it all like that type of way. And so, you know, as I, as I grew up and I've gotten a chance to go out there and stuff like that, it's just taken it to the next level. And ironically enough, I did fly up uh, the day of and then flew back the next morning after because the team had an off day on Friday and went to that Thursday night football game uh, between the Bengals and Jaguars. And uh, to be a fan and be tipping off the Joe Burrow era is just something that's tremendously exciting. He's got an it factor uh, about him that is, is just different. And the NFL released a uh, an audio package uh, about two minutes of him being mic'd up during that game. And you could just tell the way that teammates rally around him and stuff like that. So it's an exciting t time for them. Um, and just shows, you know, when you get that one franchise star, how different the narrative could change quickly. So I think that's a, a site, exciting thing that we could, you know, transfer here down in Orlando where it's like, okay, there's a few players who could fall into that bucket for the magic and as they get, you know, together and pick up uh, how quickly things could change, because I remember just how, you know, two years ago when they finished with the worst record in the NFL, uh, you know, everybody was so down on them. And now next thing you know, a year later, a year and a half later, they're, you know, have one of the best records would be the second seed in the in the uh, AFC if the playoffs started today. Awesome. I'll be looking forward to week 11 then, Dan, when the uh, Bengals visit the Death Star. I know. I, I, was trying, I was trying to look to see, you know, because there's always those few road matchups to see where the team is. Am I on this road trip? Uh, does it align where I could, you know, sneak out? And that's one of those stadiums. I, I went by it a few times and walked around it uh, during summer league. And it is impressive. <laughs> it's yeah. just like it looks like one of those destinations that you just have to go to at some point. So. I don't think it's going to work out for me this year, but it's on it's on the bucket list. Uh, you know, in the next few years, I'm going to have to check that thing out. Well, well, next so year, I'm, I'm, 
sorry, Paul. Go on, Mikey. I was no, just going to say go, that the next year, the three of us are all hoping we're all going to be in Orlando at the same time. So uh, hopefully we'll be over for a few weeks next year, but there might be a spanner in the works because our friends are hoping to get married in Vegas next year around oh, nice. the same sort of time. So we're hoping if it works, we could uh, fly to Vegas, do a few days in Vegas, watch the Raiders, watch them get married and then head to Orlando, hopefully. But yeah, it's it does look pretty impressive. Heck of a trip. Heck of a trip. Yeah. Do it properly. Do it properly. <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm... if. Who's, who's, whose team should I support then? Because I, I don't have any affiliation at all to the NFL. I watch one game a season. Um, I literally know how the Raiders are doing from Mikey, the books from G, and um, obviously a lot of the Magic fans are Dolphin fans, so I see how Miami are doing on, on Twitter and the like. And then one of my mates is a 49ers fan and has been since back in the 80s as well. So they are, li- they are the teams I know how they are doing, but who should I be? Who should I be? Uh, the, the only thing I'd say is not the mate. Saints, not the New Orleans Saints. And, <laughs> and, and, and there you go. And I'm sure the boys will chime in and say a couple of not teams as well. Yeah, the Bucks, because uh, you don't you don't want to be a bandwagon <laughs> well, fan I, like I can't, GD. I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't do that. I can't because I, I'd just be accused of being a bandwagon boy, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely. Who's, it, who's the really unpopular teams that I shouldn't be even the, going mate, near? Then? The Raiders, mate. They are the most hated team in American sports. It was official the other week. So, uh, if you want to be disliked, be a Ra- be a Raider fan. <laughs> <laughs> Anything okay. you chime in on, Dan? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's always room on the Bengals bandwagon, uh, and with Joe Burrow just starting off his NFL career, uh, there's there's some exciting moments ahead. Um, although with the, with the Bengals, always seems to be a little heartbreak looming in the background, <laughs> as, as uh, my friend of it's, uh, I, I don't want to put that on anybody, <laughs> uh, but he, I'm sure there's some one of those quizzes out there you could do personality quiz for your NFL team. Uh, find out do my NFL team. Are. I'll, yeah, I'll, exactly. I shall search one. I shall search one and tell you next week. <laughs> yeah, we sh- you, you got to film it so we could see it uh, in real time. <laughs> <laughs> right Mo- moving back to the magic then I'm gonna say back but to you Mikey for the while Paul decides who wants to follow um, so Dan so um, we obviously understand ACL injuries take a significant amount of time to recover from and, and it can obviously take sometimes players up to another year before we see them back to their best should we say um, so what do you think magic fans can expect to see from Fultz and Isaac this season when they eventually get back from from their injuries yeah, and I, I think the interesting part, as Jeff Waltman kind of mentioned in the, the press conferences, that they've been working on other elements of their game during this time. So, you know, hopefully we see strides in their shooting, see strides in, I think Markel Fultz said, you know, having all that time where he was, and you saw video fo- photos of him, um, you know, once he was able to return to the kind of court at the end of last season, showing Cole Anthony how to see certain things. And he, he was able to kind of pick up a coach's perspective. So I'll be really interested to see from like a cerebral sense uh, how much more effective, you know, he kind of is in those era areas. And they're doing a lot of non-contact things right now. So as they continue to ramp up their, their rehab process, you know, one of the things I'll just kind of be, be examining is, is, you know, how does their explosiveness translate? Because that's one of the things that, you know, could take time. And and what are the different, you know, points of that as, as they make progress throughout the season? And then, you know, has their shooting improved? Do we see elements of Markel Fultz's passing 
that are even better because it was a strength of his before. I think the the exciting thing about both of them is um, while they do have elements of athleticism that that are big parts of their game, um, they also have things as they're they're working their way fully back that'll be good to have in their back pocket to help ease their transition as they're going through that. Markel Fultz is so crafty. His way, you know, nifty moves that he has to finish around the rim that he can he can work through that and utilize that as he's working his way back. Jonathan Isaac has that defensive IQ and, you know, just natural reaction time with things defensively that are, are going to be an asset. And he's a willing playmaker and assisting of others uh, on the offensive end. So I'm, I'm going to be looking for them to utilize those elements initially, and then it'll be a progress of, of uh, you know, tracking that progress as they continue to gain their explosiveness, their athleticism and all those elements back. But I think the one thing we know about this, Magic training staff is they're going to be as careful, as thorough, as diligent as possible, and just make sure that when they do hit the court, that they're at a hundred percent. Because this team's in a unique situation. This is a growth year for this team, so there's no need to rush anybody back. Wait till they're a hundred percent, and and you know do this thing the right way. No more setbacks. <laughs> no setbacks. <laughs> you know, or should I say no setbacks because both guys are progressing well, but no set. We don't want any setbacks for these guys because yeah. it's just, uh, that's not what you want to have happen. We want an injury free season, buddy. Exactly. That's what we want. Exactly. We're owed one, aren't we? Or two. Yeah. We have, yeah. we've, we have more than paid the injury gods over the last two seasons, this, three seasons. This isn't this isn't really a spoiler for last night for G because he hasn't watched a game yet. But did anybody else? But seen the boss go, mate. When uh, when RJ Hampton went up for that layup and oh, rolled his ankle, mate. and I was like, oh no, not again. But fortunately, it didn't, it he, didn't look good, did it? To start for, with no. Nah, fortunately, he ran it off, didn't he? Yeah, no. Uh, I asked, actually asked uh, Coach Mosley about that uh, afterwards, and he said uh, there was nothing to report. It, he was he was fine. It was just one of those things they hold him out just for precautionary reasons yeah. uh, afterwards. And so I was watching him, you know, kind of rub it off, and he was also getting ripped by his teammates a little bit for, for missing the layup on the on the other end. And he was just like, kind of like, hey, I rolled my ankle here. You know, it took a wrong step, but uh, it sounds like everything will be fine and. Uh, uh, you know, we'll obviously get a better sense of that at training camp tomorrow. Uh, you know, hopefully he's out there yeah. going through everything. It was a bit of a cringe moment for for five <laughs> seconds. But um, one player we haven't talked about yet is, is Franz Wagner. What there's already been a minority on Twitter calling him a bust after he's a few a summer league games and preseason, <laughs> which is nonsense. But um, what he's obviously had a quite few games so I mean, he wasn't he didn't score anything last night but what are you seeing from friends and what are you hoping to see from him on the on the last two home games against the Spurs and Celtics so so Franz was one of those guys from the very first summer league practice uh I saw him I was like the way he's able to pick up and be in the right place and do the right thing uh with the way a coach is installing something I was after one practice, I was like, this guy's got a 10 year plus career in the NBA. Like he, okay. he just gets it. And being out at summer league, you know, wherever you're sitting, you know, media wise or in the hotels, it's like, you're either next to somebody's video guy, somebody's scout, some company that does like third party of this. 
And they were all raving about Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner. For Jalen, it was like you were hearing, oh, we had him number two on our board. We had him number one on our board. We think he has the highest ceiling. You know, he can't believe he fell to five. You're hearing all these things about him. And then for Franz, it was like we had him as, you know, potential steal in the draft. Uh, you know, he where you got him at eight is unbelievable. He's going to be one of those guys that makes other people better. You're just hearing this over and over. And this is all what I just said is from people not associated with the magic, like completely unbiased uh, somewhere else. And I would say that Franz, you know, in that period, is probably your favorite analytics person's favorite draft pick. Like they, those guys are just in love with him. And you could see very early on with the way he is and plays on the court that he's going to be a coach's favorite type of player because he just does everything that you ask of him. I think the difficult part for Franz and why maybe statistically he hasn't shown as well in a summer league and uh, preseason setting is that he does things very well and creates plays for others. And it's hard to do that and be completely effective when there's a little bit of disorganization. So I think Franz, he's a guy that would shine right away if you put him in a veteran team and gave him a role. And it would be like, this guy is such a great secondary playmaker and he's creating plays for others and he's making all these other guys better. And he's just getting all these baskets where people are finding him cutting because he's in the right space. And I think if you like look at the film and just kind of watch back at him, he's doing a lot of things and sometimes guys are missing him because they haven't played with him yet and, and stuff like that. So there are easy buckets that are low hanging fruit. And that once guys like, you know, Cole and Jalen and, you know, and you go down the line, RJ, et cetera, get used to playing with Franz, they'll start finding him. And all of a sudden the stat sheet elements of it will match what he's doing from a good sense on the court. So I think he's one of those things where it's like fans are, you know, maybe like, oh, well, I'm looking at the box score and it's not impressive. Meanwhile, coaches who are looking at what they ask are asking these guys to do during a training camp and preseason, uh, they're looking at a complete at the completely opposite end of the spectrum. We're like, wow, I haven't seen a guy who's so good at cutting, moving away at the ball at his age and, you know, just really respecting the way he plays the game. So there are elements of his game that I think are going to take a little bit to to show uh, from a stat sheet perspective. And the other side of the thing that I think will help his development is he's got a very good shooting mechanics. And as his NBA career progresses, just like as you look back at his college career, I think you're going to see that three-point percentage continue to go up uh, as his career goes along. So I'm very excited and bullish, I guess you would say, on, on Franz Wagner's uh, career. And I'll, I'll have a piece going on both about, you know, kind of projections for him and Jalen uh, as they transition from college to their rookie season coming up right at the start of the season. And there'll be a lot of good insights from, you know, basketball people who know a lot more than I do, uh, who talk about what they see in him, see in both of them and their futures. So it's one of the things the I'm thing working is, on right uh, now. I think, I think the thing is that, it's, it's what we've been saying at various points throughout this. It's been summer league and it's been pre-season. Yeah. It's too soon to panic. They, yeah. the games, those games are all about experimentation, about shaking the rust off, about learning one another, gaining the chemistry, gaining fitness. I, I don't imagine that we've actually seen um, our opening night starting lineup yet properly. 
And, and the other thing too, is like, you know, some of these lineups they've tinkered with for like five minutes in, yeah. in a one training camp session and they roll it out into a game. You know, it's just like to have any expectations that some of these guys know where somebody's going to be yet is, you know, is just, just unreal. So for a guy who has his particular skill set where team chemistry will help accentuate it and he'll help others get better, I think he's going to be a guy that other players love playing with. I think Chumo Kiki falls into that bucket. And I think Jonathan mm-hmm. Isaac falls into that bucket where they're guys who will make other people better. Martel Fultz falls into that bucket and they're so unselfish and, you know, and willing to, to, to defer to others in a sense that, you know, if somebody else gets shine, it, it really doesn't matter to them um, that the magic having all those type of guys and then mixing in some of the, you know, talented scorers on this roster, it's going to be a special blend, but it's going to take some time for all that to figure it out. And for these groups to build chemistry for them to really shine in a sense. And and through two preseason games, I think we can all say there's (laughs) plenty to take away from these two games, plenty of positives. And I would say this, even in last night, the mistakes in, you have to have games where you make mistakes so as you can illustrate that's where it went wrong you yeah. need yeah. negatives to gain a positive at times so hey stop being down about it it's a it's a preseason game it counted for nothing no definitely this season's Paul, about development I agree 100% and the other thing you have to remember is like you know at a shoot around um, during a regular game day there would be all installation of like what the other team does. This is what, you know, Zion Williamson's going to do. This is what Brandon Ingram's going to do. This is what, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to do. And you'd have all those elements to it. The shoot around on the day yesterday is just an extension of training camp. They're not focusing on really what all the, that many elements of what the Pelicans are doing. You know, it's a very short part uh, of the shoot around. So you know, and, and then vice versa. That's like that with every team, with every coach. So there's a lot of going to be a lot of disjointed elements to it that wouldn't normally take place in a regular season game. I don't know if it's happened yet. I know at times that there's a agreement between coaches as to right, we would really like to play against zonal, zonal defense tonight. And it's yeah. agreed that we'll play five minutes. I don't know if that's happened yet in any of either of the two games. Yeah, mostly spoken with uh, both. Uh, Ime Adoka and uh, Willie Green prior to those matchups um, kind of weeks before in these particular cases. Um, so they've had a, a little bit of those conversations. I think the interesting part for all three of those coaches is they're all first year head coaches yeah. with teams for the first time. So while you normally have those elements, these teams are at the stages like we're just trying to get these guys to understand it's a little different then like what you look at the team was like with Clifford at the start of last season where, you know, we knew what the starting lineup was going to look like on opening night. These guys knew every element of the system. They, you know, they were just tinkering with things um, and, and stuff like that. So you could really focus on very specific elements. You know, right now, all three of those teams um, have so much that they have to install and get guys used to for the first time that, there, there's not having as much of those little specifics of zone defenses, et cetera. Yeah. Now we'll see what it's like the second time around. I mean, I think we'll probably see a little bit more of that 
the second time we see the Celtics and run some of those like specifics uh, around each other. But that'll be one of the things I, I've kind of asked him uh, mostly that before both both games. And so I'll, I'll continue to do so, uh, you know, as we prepare here for these final two home preseason matchups, it'll be exciting yes. to be back Orlando yeah. in front of the crowd. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for the insight. And as always, it's been great fun having you on. Um, this is to this everybody is out there. It's, it's, it, we, we love having you. Thank you for joining us, mate. Um, to everybody watching, listening, thank you for joining us. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, hit the notification button uh, so as not to miss any future episodes. You can find all the links to the pod, uh, all our links, our social media links from the podcast description and also on the website at orlandomagicuk.com. Leave your comments and questions. Everybody, you know, we love to hear from you all. Um, and if you aren't already doing so, please make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All are under Orlando Magic UK. So until next time, from Mikey, Garan, and myself, go magic.